Hello, and welcome to Life on Maine, a daily podcast of Life on Maine in Charlestown, New Hampshire, where we discuss living life on the main purpose as designed by God. I am Pastor Tim Golden, and on these podcasts, we focus on growing in relationship with God, maturing in the faith through His Word, stewarding our relationships with one another, as well as learning to make disciples as we share the gospel of Jesus Christ. Each day highlights one of these facets of spiritual character, growth, and stewardship, so be sure to come back each day to grow a strong and healthy walk with the Lord. Now, let's see what the Holy Spirit wants to show us today. All right, well, if you look in your Bibles with me, we are going to be in the book of Philippians this morning. As we continue our series on being covenant seekers, wanting to be people that are is serious about this covenant with God as God is about his covenant with us. Amen. And now how many know we don't get it perfect? He always does, though. So that, that's one thing we have to rely on. But we still have responsibility to keep working out our salvation, right? To keep getting better at how we live out this thing called covenant. And we have started looking into the many one another's that we see throughout Scripture. And as we mentioned, there's over 100 of them, but those 100 can be broken down into eight main categories. And today we are going to be covering another one of those, as I've entitled the message today, Who's the Better Person? And what we are going to be talking about specifically this morning, as you remember a couple of weeks ago, we talked about peace and being peacemakers. But today is going to be, and it's a piece of that, it, you know, a lot of these things are not linear. They, they, they interweave together. And today is about humility. Because how many know you can't even think about being a peacemaker until you first learn some humility, right? Because otherwise, who are we always going to be out for? Us, right? We're not going to be concerned about being at peace with others. So as we look at Philippians chapter 2, verses 1 through 4, we're going to actually take a little, high, a little sidestep from that for a second because I forgot one other announcement. Pop bless immediately after. So stick around for food, okay? <laughs> It'll be a great time. But Philippians chapter 2, verses 1 through 4. Paul says this. This is, by the way, one of his prison letters. As you may remember, he was actually not experiencing great joyous moments when he wrote this letter. So think of that context as, as we begin this. He says, If you have any encouragement from being united with Christ... If any comfort from his love, if any fellowship with the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and purpose. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility consider others better than yourselves. Each of you should look not only to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. Lord, as we take a look at this passage this morning, would you speak to us? Would you help us to glean the truths that you have for us personally, to be able to walk in covenant just a little bit better this week from what we hear here today? And God, we give you honor and praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So if you have any encouragement, now how many here are encouraged for being united with Christ? Okay. How many here have found comfort in his love, especially when you're going through hard things? What about fellowship with the Spirit? You know, the times when, you know, everything's going 
crazy around you, but yet somehow you just sense his presence. If you have any tenderness and compassion, hopefully you do if you name the name of Christ, they said, then make my joy complete. So it's almost saying something very redundant. It's like, if you have these things, I know you have them, so make my joy complete. You know I'm in prison. You know I'm going through hardships. You know, I could use a little joy coming my way right now. So you want to make mine complete? Be like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and purpose. And then he goes on, if you were to continue reading this chapter, with that very familiar passage where he says about how Christ did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, right? But rather did what? Humbled himself and became a servant. So he gives us the picture of Christ in living out this thing called humility. But it's interesting that the first thing he addresses isn't humility. The first thing he addresses is what? Be like-minded, have the same love, being one in spirit. Hmm. What I hear in that is unity and being at peace with one another. So he's kind of bringing us right into where, where we left off last week. But then he goes on to say this. So you want to know how to get there? I'm glad you asked, is his way of saying it. He said, this is how you do it. By doing nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility, considering others better than yourself. So what is humility? Because humility is probably one of those things in the church that we don't always get right. And some of it's because we haven't been taught right. We're almost given this aspect that true humility is understanding that apart from Christ, I am nothing. And now, you know what? That's true. Apart from Christ, you are nothing. However, the completion of that is in Christ, you can do all things. And you have everything you need. In Christ, you are a saint of the Most High God. You're, you're not just a sinner saved by grace. And, and we've kind of bought this this aspect that humility somehow is just staying stuck in the sinner saved by grace part and not stepping into the what it means to be a saint of the Most High God. And we know that we are all saints. That's not just something that, you know, somebody says, okay, there, you're a saint, right? Because even Paul addressed so many of his letters to what? The saints at Ephesus, or right? Or of the other uh, towns that he had written to. He was referring to the body of believers, if you name the name of Christ, you are saint. Now, how many know there are people, some people that are more saintly than others? But if you've named the name of Christ, you are counted with the saints. Jesus understood he was the Son of God. And he understood that everything he did was empowered by the Father and through the Spirit. And so one could ultimately say, well, he's got a pretty good chip on his shoulders. No, he was the most humble of all. See, he did not deny who he was. He just put it in proper perspective. So humility is, a, first of all, it's a freedom. Everybody say freedom. From arrogance. That grows out of the recognition that all we have and are comes from God. It's a freedom from arrogance. Do you understand that arrogance is a prison of its own making? Because when we become arrogant, we become so stuck on ourselves and so much just about us that we then try to determine what is best for us. Forgetting that our ideas stink. Like we said before, how many are glad that we fall on the wisdom of God, not on our own wisdom? 
So to, to rely on your own wisdom, to rely on your own value, is to actually always amount to less than what it is that God destined you and designed you for. So if you want to have true freedom, first of all, you've got to get rid of arrogance. So humility is a freedom from arrogance, that, and it grows out of, as I said, the recognition that all we have and all we are comes from God. Everything you see up here in me on a Sunday morning, trust me, is not me. Because I do not like to public speak. Though God has done something in me that makes me very fulfilled when I come up here and do this. But you know what? Given to my own devices, put me on my recliner with a Yankee baseball game on, and I'm happy. Just leave me alone. Anybody else identify? Maybe not with the Yankees, but, you know, anyone else identify? But what is that, really? That's arrogance. It's a type of arrogance. All I want to be is about me. So being willing to step out. But everything I am comes from God. Everything I have comes from God. The very house we live in, the very property that we own, the very cars that we drive are not ours. They are God's. That's why, as I said before in the past, and again, not to put pats on the back, but just as an example, that's why in the past when we've had times when people in the church have been at a point where they were without a vehicle and the Lord says, not because the person said that they had a need, but then in listening to the Lord, and then the Lord said, I want you to let them use your car for as long as they need it. Okay, here's the keys. Bring it back whenever you're done with it. And uh, we had one car that was gone for a couple of months like that. We got it back. <laughs> Within a week it died, and we buried it. <laughs> you know, but, And it wasn't anything they did to it, it was just an older car. But that's why also, you know, when... Not, not to mention any names, because obviously they are not here, but, you know, when somebody comes knocking on your door saying, hey, is it okay if I dig up your yard? Yeah. Go for it. If the Lord says it's okay, then you know what? It's okay. And so we let, you know, we've let people do that. Okay? It's living in this attitude that there's, I, I'm dead to myself. Right? The Apostle Paul even talked about that. I am crucified with Christ, yet it's no longer I that lives, but it's Christ that lives in me. Right? Are we living that way? Do we understand that everything that we have, we don't own rights to? The very air we breathe for crying out loud is only by his grace. And when he says you're done sucking air, you're done sucking air, you know? And you'll be with him. Understand this, too. As we said, Jesus is the supreme example of humility, and he is completely adequate for us to define what humility is. The ability to understand everything that you are, but never to live like you know who you are. And what do I mean by that? Well, think about Jesus. He's the Son of God, the creator of the universe, Genesis chapter 1 and John chapter 1. Point that out. But yet what? Finds himself with a meal and ties a cloth around his waist to wash his disciples' filthy feet that have stepped in horse poo poo. The Son of God would do that? Yep. How about you? 
Biblical humility is not a belittling of yourself, but it's exalting others over yourself. Understand who you are in Christ and then lift your brother and your sister above that. Right? It's not to place yourself way down here so you can treat them kind of mediocre. No. Treat yourself awesome because you are a child of the king. So treat you like a child of the king. But treat others better. Be a humble person. And you do that by focusing more on God, God and others than on yourself. It's often been said that you can, joy is a great, I think the word is acrostic. Correct my English if I'm wrong. Um, but you take joy and you want to have true joy. It's understanding the J-O-Y give us that picture. First it's Jesus, then others, then yourself. You put everybody in that proper perspective. Don't neglect yourself. Take care of yourself. And, you know, and I think that's where sometimes we fail as Christians. And I think sometimes we take it almost to the extreme where all of a sudden it's all about everybody else and, and we pour into everybody else and we never take time to take care of ourselves, whether it's physical, whether it's emotional. When's the last time you went out and played? You know? When's the last time you went out and you just did something that you found enjoyable? It's not a sin, okay? It's good because what it does is it helps energize you to be able to then pour out into other people as God brings them your way. We talked about this a little bit at Heartline this week. Didn't get a chance to listen to it. Go online and listen. But we talk about, uh, we've just started getting into John chapter 6, Harold and I, and uh, we're talking, uh, we were talking about the feeding of the 5,000. And you read that, and you, can't, you really don't get the picture out of John. You actually got to look at all the Gospels together, because all four Gospel accounts give, the, um, give some historical backdrop to the feeding of the 5,000. But each one says something a little bit extra than the others. And I think it was in the book of Luke that helps point out this, that it starts off by saying, he told his disciples, you need to rest. So let's go across the the lake, and let's get some R&R. But when they got there, there was people there. And then that's when Jesus said all kinds of things to them about the kingdom of God. And then, as the day draws close to a close, so how much R&R have they gotten so far? Yeah. Not much. <laughs> but Jesus spoke to them about the kingdom of God, healed them, and then Sun's starting to go down, and the disciples are like, okay, send them off, tell them to go get something to eat. And Jesus said, no, too late for that. We're going to take care of it. So do me a favor, disciples. Go, and it says this, make them sit down. Translation, we're going to be here a while longer. <laughs> you know? Now, we, we've often take, we, we can take that day, okay, so then we're, we aren't, then we shouldn't be really resting. No, there's times they had to rest. But it never took precedence over ministry. And why? Because it says that Jesus' heart was moved with compassion for the people because they were hungry. They were people like sheep without a shepherd. 
And that's why he ministered into that. Ministry is not convenient. It's going to come at times when, it's, when you're worn out. And I'm not saying don't minister in those times, but if you're ministering in those times, afterwards you better get some R&R. Okay? Don't just keep putting it off, putting it off, putting it off. We are the light of the world, Scripture tells us. And then when I think of that, I think of lighthouses. Right? We don't have a lot of those here in New Hampshire. In fact, we probably don't. We may only have, what, one? I think in Hampton Beach area probably. But you go to Maine, they've got all kinds of them. Right? Interesting thing about lighthouses. They do absolutely no good if the light bulb burns out. And the same thing with us as people. How are you regenerating? How are you reviving? How are you restoring your your mind and your spirit? Because you need to do that. Focus on God first. Focus on others. But also focus on yourself when you need to. Don't let yourself get to an unhealthy state. Biblical humility is also recognition that by ourselves we are inadequate without dignity and we are worthless apart from Christ. But again, remember, we are not apart from Christ anymore. He is the vine, we are the branches. We are grafted into him. So as long as we stay connected to him, understand you have plenty of adequacy, plenty of dignity, and plenty of worth. But why? Because the branch has it in itself? No, it gets its life from the vine. And that's where we get our life from. True humility does not produce pride. What it does is it produces gratitude. Look with me again at verses 1 and 2, and we're going to put those up there on the screen again. It says, If you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any fellowship with the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and purpose. Understand this. Being like-minded, having a sound mind, and true spirituality all come from within. They do not come from without. It starts from something. It's, it's not from the religious acts that you do, though those religious acts are good, and we should do them. Reading our Bibles, prayer, worship. All those are important. But do we understand that you can do all those acts and be totally dead inside? So what it's got to do is it's got to, first of all, start from within. What do you mean by that? What I mean is simply this. Why are you reading your Bible? Are you reading it just to learn more? Just, are, are you just doing it to more or less feed your mind? Or are you doing it to feed your spirit? Because if we're doing it just to try to understand or just try to grasp, and I'm not saying we shouldn't do those things, we should, but if we put the mind before the spirit, there's a problem. So maybe what we need to do is how are you approaching your times of prayer or your times of Bible reading? Are you starting it off with, God, I'm so looking forward to our time together today. Would you show me in your word what you want me to know today? What, what's, what's necessary for me today to look a little bit more like you? And then start to read. Do you think we might get a little something different out of it than if we simply try to figure out what this Greek word means or what the, the Hebrew vernacular is for that metaphor, right? Make sure 
that the things that you're doing are coming from a desire and a passion down inside of you, a desire to know more and to be in closer relationship with God. Romans 12, 16 tells us this, live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, but, in other words, you don't want to be proud. Here's the, here's the alternative. Be willing to associate with people of low position. Don't be conceited. find that a very interesting term. Because are they really of low position? Is there any such person? Now, I see what he's referring to is anybody that we think that is maybe not as well off as we are. Maybe they have some disabilities of some sort. But if we look at people through the eyes of God, is there really any such thing as a person of low position? No. Everybody has value. There was a, um, and you can find these all over the internet, lists of verses that deal with our identity in Christ. And I've known a lot of people that have looked those up and have found themselves really changed as a result as they read through them. Because sometimes, you know, you just get, you, you heap all kinds of condemnation on yourself for the life you've lived, haven't you? I know I do. And so people look these things up and remind themselves, they all have scripture references next to them, but all these concepts from scripture that I am a child of God, I am Jesus' friend, I'm no longer a slave, but I'm a son and daughter. I'm a son and daughter of God, and he is my father. I am an heir of God, a joint heir with Christ. I am united with the Lord and one in spirit with him. I am saved by grace through faith, not my works. I have peace with God and am reconciled to him. I am loved by Jesus and freed from my sins by his blood. You know, and they do. You read through these things and they just, they do something in your spirit. But do we understand this isn't just about you? Everybody who names the name of Christ, this applies to them. And if we ever get ourselves to the point where we think that we are a little bit better Christian than the other guy, I'd say not more than oops, I'd say watch out. Because pride cometh, what? Before a fall. And that is biblical, by the way, people. 1 Peter 3.8 says this, Finally, all of you live in harmony with one another. Be sympathetic. Love is brothers. Be compassionate and humble. Are you? Verse 3 tells us this. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility consider others, again, better than yourself. Not think of yourself less. Just think of others more. Okay? For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled. And he who humbles himself will be exalted. Exalted by who? God. God. Do you understand the people that you are willing to put above yourself sometimes will stomp on you? Sometimes they will do things that are not very nice. And the, te and, and the tendency can be, ooh, I got burnt by that stove. I'm not touching that one again. And you know what? Yes, approach it cautiously. But how many of you have been burnt on a stove? I've had more burn marks on my hands over the years than I can count. But you know what? I still cook. <laughs> I still use a stove. I still use an oven. 
I don't avoid it. How about you? When you get burned by people, especially when you have lovingly reached out to them and tried to minister to them, and then you feel like they've done the proverbial slap in the face, do you still love them? Do you still look at them with the eyes of Christ? Do you still look at them as individuals who are, who are um, cherished in the apple of God's eye? So I think we learn to look at people the way that God sees them and understand that when we look poorly on them, God looks a little bit more poorly on us. Luke chapter 18, verse 14 says this, I tell you that this man, rather than the other, went home justified before God. Who was he? He was one that humbled himself. He understood that he was a sinner, right? If you remember the story, it was the gentleman who, there's two guys, right? And they're both praying. And the one is crying out, Lord, thank you that I'm not like this guy over here. And this guy over here simply prayed, Lord, have mercy on me. And he was identified as being the better man. How about you? Do, do, I mean, I, our natural human tendency is we want to elevate ourselves, especially when we feel like we're being put down. But you know, that's not our place. That's God's place to elevate us. Humble yourself before him, right? Scripture says, humble yourself in the sight of the Lord, and he will lift you up. Ephesians 4, be completely jump, humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Don't you just love words like patience? Because it means there's something I'm not liking. <laughs> you don't, ever notice you don't need patience when you're involved in doing something you enjoy? When you're involved in something that's, that's somehow giving you some strokes, you don't need patience there. It's only in the bad things. So be completely humble and gentle and patient, bearing with one another in love. Ephesians 5.21 says, Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. How are you submitting to your brothers and sisters in Christ? See, we should all be about helping people get further ahead in this thing called the Christian walk than we are. I hope that someday there's some people that come out of here that are better preachers than me. Amen. Verse 4, again, reiterates what this whole concept of thinking of others better than yourself. He says this, every one of you should look not only to his own interests, Implying what? You better be looking after your own interests. Because guess what? Nobody else is going to. But take care of your needs. But also look after the interests of others. Are you in a healthy state? When you are, then put yourself on the altar and be willing to let God use you wherever he wants to, even when it's inconvenient. Romans 14, 19 tells us this. Let us therefore make every effort to do what leads to peace and to mutual edification. Hmm, kind of sounds like Philippians 1, 4, where it talked about the importance of unity first and then also be humble. Impossible to edify people if we're not willing to be humble first. 
James 2.8 says, if you really keep the royal law found in Scripture, then love your neighbor as yourself, and you are doing right. We must be concerned not only for our own credit and ease and safety, but for those around us as well. Who's my brother's keeper? You are. We should rejoice in the prosperity of others as though it was our own prosperity, rather than getting envious and jealous of what's happening in their lives and how they're advancing. Rejoice with those who rejoice, Scripture says, and mourn with those who mourn. We must love our neighbors as ourselves. And guess what? You'll never be able to love your neighbor until you first learn to love yourself. And then in closing, Colossians 3, verses 12 and 13, Therefore, as God's chosen people, you understand that's you. That's me. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with these things, compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and yes, that beloved term, patience. Bear with each other and forgive whatever grievances you may have against one another. Forgive the Lord, or forgive as the Lord forgave you. Isn't that interesting? Clothe yourself with all these nice, warm, fluffy things. Why? And then everything there tells you why. Because you're going to have to forgive some grievances that you have against one another. And you're going to have to overlook some things. Are we willing to do that, or are we just too quick to point it out to everybody? Right? Make sure you are living humility all the way through. Amen? Because as we live humbly, again, remember, he will exalt you in due time. Right? And if we are truly humble, who do you think people are going to see? Are they going to see you, or are they going to see Jesus? I don't know about you. I want them to see Jesus. Because I'm not all that, this is not a put down, but I ain't all that great to look at, (laughs) comparatively speaking, as to God, right? I'd rather have them see him. Lord God, we thank you today. We thank you that that even amidst our fallenness and the difficulties that we have of being able to overlook wrongs sometimes that people do to us or having this sense, Lord, that somehow we need to exonerate ourselves when we're being dishonored. Lord God, would you have your way in us? Show us what it means to walk truly humbly. Help us to follow Christ's example to the letter. That, Lord God, we can look at when even when people are doing very evil things, to be able to actually look to you and say, forgive them for they don't know what they're doing. And to be able to love them with a kind of compassion and mercy and grace that you have loved us with even long before we acknowledged you. But God, we cannot do it on our own. It is impossible. You know that our sin nature is is reeking with pride. So God, would you help us to walk in this thing called humility? A little bit more each and every day. And we give you honor. We give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. 
We want to thank you for tuning into today's broadcast. We pray that it was beneficial for you. Be sure to tune in tomorrow for another episode of Life on Main. You can learn more about our church by visiting our website at lifeonmain.org. You can also find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash lifeonmain, where you can learn about upcoming events and find links to videos of these broadcasts and sermons. You can also view our sermons on our YouTube channel at bit.ly slash lifeonmain, with each of those words capitalized. Thanks for listening to Life on Main, and may God bless you.